Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. So if you've listened to episode 52 of the podcast with Ian Woodley, the name of today's guest will be familiar to you. He's Managing Director of PCH Business Consultants based in Swindon and has almost 30 years business and engineering experience, including a number of FTSE 100 organisations. He's been involved with manufacturing, operations, multi-million pound capital projects and strategic planning. He's a non-exec director, advisor and business consultant. He's also a partner in a relatively new venture, Velocitech Business Accelerator, as well as working as a business advisor and expert for a wide range of growth hubs, particularly in Gloucestershire and Oxfordshire. His business helps companies to plan and structure growth, particularly helping business owners to overcome overwhelm using a structured process that designs the business for success and then helps make it happen. We've heard what a great impact he's had on Ian Woodley and his business over the last 12 months, so it's fantastic to finally sit down and have a proper chat with the man himself. It is Paul Holmes. Hello, Paul. Hello. How, How are you doing? doing? <laughs> yeah, very good. How are you? Uh, good, thank you. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, excellent. Well, first of all, thank you very much for coming in. My pleasure. You're obviously uh, a busy man by the sounds of that intro so yeah appreciate your time and uh, coming over and everything to do this no honor to be uh, invited to come along and obviously it was a uh, great listening to you guys uh, chat a couple of weeks ago in the studio <laughs> and uh, yeah. been part of that sort of process over the last sort of 18 months so yeah it's uh, yeah nice to be able to uh, come and have a chat yeah excellent okay so your website uh, pchbusinesssupport.co.uk Currently, we'll yes. Send people to currently. Uh, may have changed by the time this goes out, but we'll put the right link into the show notes. Yes, it's been part of the journey. Um, so the business was PCH Business Support um, up until Christmas, mm-hmm. um, switching to a much more associate model. So I've now got uh, nearly thirty associates that have now come under brand. So oh. we switched to PCH Business Consultants as the sort of okay. so we're literally in that transition process. Okay, is that going to be the URL? Is it? Uh, by the time, simple as that. Yeah. By the time we get to um, <laughs> uh, this going live, we should have everything in place. But yes, okay. essentially, Excellent. I've morphed in terms of the day-to-day business. Okay, um, we're just lagging slightly in terms of some of the um, behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, but the best place probably for people to come find you is LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, that, that's the principal place, and there will be redirects from the um, the old website to the new website anyway. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's a cool. good place to need to start. Okay. Excellent, excellent. Right, so um, you're based down in Swindon these days, aren't you? Yes. Um, but working in quite a, a larger and larger area. <laughs> yes, I think um, currently going as far north as um, Derbyshire um, and all the way down into um, Devon and Dorset in the opposite direction. Right, so okay. So covering sort of a, a very wide area, so but there's no real boundaries to, to where we work. A lot of driving or...? Some of it, and, and it's, that's been one of the sort of the, the nice things all the way through the, um, the last couple of years through the pandemic, is that the vast majority of people we work with um, still been able to go and visit. A lot mm-hmm. of them work in factories, so going into the factory and seeing what's going on is essential. Yeah. So it's been quite nice just to sort of uh, get out and about. And, <laughs> Have a bit of normality. Uh, well, certainly in the early days, um, driving down sort of, um, I'm, I'm non-exec down in, in a business down in uh, Bridgewater, um, driving down the motorway in those first sort of few months, 
realizing that you're pretty much the only car on the M5. <laughs> yeah. which was, was very strange. For yeah, you. it was it's crazy good. quiet, wasn't yeah, it? Was uh, in those first bits. Okay, so have you always been Swindon based then, or have you, uh, have you moved around? I moved around. Um, grew up in Yorkshire, um, uni in London. Um, ended up, I was sponsored originally by sort of BOC, so I ended up down on the south coast um, working for a company called Edwards High Vacuum. Um, okay. I'd sort of originally was studying electronics, so I was working for PCB manufacturing companies. Mm-hmm. Um, got the opportunity to step into sort of production engineering, manufacturing, and then went back and did manufacturing engineering. So much more around the manufacturing processes. And sort of slowly worked along the sort of south coast. Um, and then in, in 2000, um, was headhunted to come and work for a company called Johnson Matthey, right. um, who are sort of FTSE 100, uh, precious metals, catalysts, um, chemical company who were commercializing hydrogen fuel cells. So I was asked to come and help build the hydrogen fuel cell plant in Swindon. Right, okay. So 20 years ago, I moved to the area to sort of to build that. Right. And then worked for Johnson Matthey for sort of nearly 15 years. Okay. In uh, various roles. Okay. So I've kind of okay. um, been stuck in the area ever since. And, <laughs> and um, I've kind of been slowly, as I, sort of, I set up um, my business about sort of six years ago. Yeah. Um, and slowly, as I kind of sort of moving almost outward from that sort of epicenter, mm. um, getting more involved in sort of the various sort of business areas and business groups um, <laughs> in a widening arc, which has been quite nice. Okay. So, so as you were growing up, was kind of engineering and that side of things always on your horizon? Was it? Was that uh, very much so? Yeah. I mean, I, I've always been sort of um, sort of fairly analytical, sort of. Um, um, I'm very focused about sort of the, sort of the detail stuff. Right. Um, very much around the finding solutions. I want to fix things, mm-hmm. and that's that's become a fundamental sort of um, recurring theme of the various sort of projects and things that I've been involved in. It's the wanting to there to be an outcome. Okay. Make yeah. things happen. Whether it's a right. problem, solve that problem. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's that's kind of the reason that. PCH came into it was uh, at the time I was um, I was director of investment for the local authority in Swindon and Wiltshire, and a lot of the way that I ran what I did, bringing business into the area, helping supporting expansion, the economic development stuff, and was get inside the business and really solve problems mm-hmm. um, that built relationships, and suddenly realised that actually the breadth of things that I'd been involved in actually meant there was very little that I couldn't help fix and solve within the business. Yeah, yeah. Either operationally. Or much more importantly, was the sort of strategic planning for it. The let's think differently about how we go about this. Let's not just dive in and work hard. Let's mm-hmm. think about actually what do we want to try and achieve here. Yeah, and that really sort of worked well. So um, when I set the business up, that was the, kind of the starting point. With let's do more of this. Right. Okay. Okay. So uh, when you um, when you came up to Swindon, then you were we sort of headhunted were you at that stage to come and do that role. Or? Yes. I'm. I'd been, I was ops manager for um, an electronics company down in uh, Lewis, down in um, East Sussex. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I've been getting involved in was the capital projects around building production lines, okay. finding equipment, find, sort of yeah. designing processes. How do we improve the throughput? How do we improve the sort of um, design for manufacturing? How do you solve problems that you see in the manufacturing processes at the design stage? How do you design out those things and sort of closing that sort of that feedback loop? And at the time, um, JM were looking at sort of 
Um, they've been involved in the um, the fuel cells program since the Apollo mission days. So they they put the catalysts on the Apollo missions. Right. Okay. Um, but we're looking to see how they could commercialise this for the automotive industry. Okay. Um, with a process at the time that was a four day manufacturing process <laughs> for something that ultimately had to have sort of a twenty second sort of unit cycle time. So there was a big <laughs> gap away from it. Yeah. Um, and they were looking for people who were familiar with the manufacturing processes, the coating, the handling, uh, the deposition processes from PCBs, because there was quite a lot of crossover to sort of some of the technologies. Um, and it, that was the, do you fancy sort of stepping out of electronics, using your knowledge and the capability about the equipment, but help applying it into something which is actually going to be a sort of um, a big thing going forward from a sort of green perspective, an energy management perspective. And just, I love the opportunity. Yeah. It was a yeah. fabulous uh, period. Um, it was a team of three of us built the factory, right. involved in the design, oh. design process. Um, and then I spent sort of 15 years helping to be the interface um, with fairly major clients of automotive. So I spent a lot of time uh, working with people like sort of General Motors in the States. Um, all of the internal process of how do you go from original design concepts right the way to how do you actually make it get out the door mm -hmm. so all the process in between mm -hmm. um running innovate uk funded programs so lots of stuff around sort of um literally cutting edge investigations yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um the, the scientists would literally be putting things on test on a friday that was world leading sort of technology <laughs> with a view we came in on monday morning to see did it work um <laughs> but then tied to a program of but we've got to ship some stuff to the customer by the following Friday to prove the principle into that really right. exciting sort of iterative yeah, yeah. development cycle, high pressure, some very, very clever people. It was great fun. Um, so I had the privilege of managing that for about sort of 12 years um, alongside the, sort of the day job. Um, got the opportunity, we um, sponsored um, the University Technical College um, in Swindon. So I became one of the sort of founding directors massively involved with that as an external project. Right, yeah. uh, I'm still heavily involved with it, sort of 10 years on, I'm still yeah. vice chair of governors. Um, but that sort of idea of the contextual learning, the helping the next generation of engineers really understand what does it mean? What are the skills they'll need to be successful? Mm -hmm. um, as, as you're aware, engineers as a breed, they were not the most communicative of people. Um, we aren't the best at telling our story. Um, so I was often described as one of those sort of fluffy engineers that actually can talk to people. Um, and as I'd sort of discovered roles outside of pure engineering, yeah. that's where I've kind of flourished and sort of grown into those things. Right, um, okay. Yeah, so yeah. On, the, on the back of the building the school and, and being involved in that, I worked very closely with the, um, the local administration. They've been heavily involved in it. Um, dealing with the, the local councillors, with administration, the officers, working with some very senior business leaders. We had people like sort of Honda, BMW, Intel, Nationwide, who were mm -hmm. sponsors part of the program. Yeah. Um, working with the MPs, um, which is fantastic to get the stuff that you don't, when you're sort of inside <laughs> business, you don't get to see what's going on in terms of that local economy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stuff. I, I think um, uh, when I was in engineering, that was kind of the side that I, yeah, I didn't see anything of at no. all because I was very much, you know, on the sort of analysis. You sit there and you do the analysis, which you know needs to be done. But yeah, you don't see that business side of it at all. And sometimes you kind of almost 
forget that there's or you don't realize that there's this whole business side like we were saying you know earlier that yes. there's the doing the stuff isn't there that needs to be made or or done and then there's the the running the business side yeah. and uh, i can imagine that's um quite interesting at that scale it was fascinating to suddenly be involved in this whole um infrastructure economic development across the, sort of the county um part of my role i was running the investment service um for Swindon itself and then engaging across Wiltshire um, with uh, the Department for International Trade. So it's getting great exposure, lots of sort of um, projects and development stuff that, again, completely oblivious to when, you, when you're working for a company, that this stuff goes on around you. Um, yeah. And I kind of love that. And I, I love sort of helping to sort of be part of that. How do we help businesses be successful? Mm. There are lots and lots of business organizations out there that. Um, are great at signposting. They have lots of support programs, a lot of it's the, the, the various funded help. But actual tangible hand-holding help, mm. most of them aren't very good at. Mm. And mm. that's kind of the, that space that I wanted to be in. I wanted to help make that difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been part of this, when I set the business up, working very, very closely with those organizations and particularly working with the growth hubs and the, sort of the, um, the LEPs mm. to say, if I help, I'll become much more visible to those businesses that need my help yeah, yeah. Um, and help take them on a journey and, and then um, grow their businesses and sort of yeah, solve problems. Yeah. Um, just, um, so, uh, just taking a couple of steps back then, like on to you saying about setting up factories and everything, that sounds quite uh, appealing. I think I like that. Yes. We were shooting down at a factory that was just in very early stages. They just had all the kit delivered. It was all still wrapped up and everything. The whole factory was empty. You know, builders were still on site the other day. And uh, it just seemed really interesting. We had a tour beforehand and, you know, how everything's going to flow through and everything like that. And that really appealed. I was like, this is, you know, this is cool, planning yes. it all out right from that that starting point. Because when you go into factories, you know, that are established, you don't really always think about that that time, but that time in history yes. <laughs> when it was all being set up. I can imagine that's quite a, a fun process to be involved in. It was... It's one of those things you sort of look back and it was a kind of a magical time. Yeah. Um, everything I'd done from projects and sort of um, stuff previously had been very much established factories where you are trying to sort of shoe hone new technology in on new equipment. Um, for the Johnson Matthew project, it was literally a, a sort of a grassed field when we started. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's the idea of having sort of something which is the size of several football pitches as a sort of space to fill with equipment um, and every part of the process. Yeah. Um, was just that was that was fabulous. Yeah, um, yeah, and to be part of such a very small team, and for quite a long time after setup, there was probably a core of maybe a dozen of us that really were sort of the the founders of that process. It was, it right, was okay. fantastic to be involved and be able to sort of be so involved in every aspect of that that, that process. Yeah. Um, but there was a few hair raising moments. So was there? The there, there was a few. Um, <laughs> we, I had a reputation at one stage where. I think at least it seemed to be a Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening where my contractors managed to flood significant parts of the building at one stage. Um, as we were developing, still opening the site, um, I think we had one, the main hall where the contractors in one of the wet rooms had left one of the um, pipework um, systems open. 
when they went to sort of um, switch on test something. Right, hadn't yeah. realised it was a part of the building we weren't in, in, in at the time. <laughs> and I think they estimated something like 80,000 litres of water filled <laughs> the main hall. Um, uh, so yeah, there, was a, there was a few interesting moments of uh, building that, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Still smiling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Did, did you come from a, a kind of engineering background in terms of your, your family and possible um, things? Or? Slightly. My father was a metallurgist originally. And okay. he, he always worked. Um, certainly as I grew up, he was much more in, sort of in terms of sales, but right. always for engineering companies. So there's always something behind that. Okay. Um, yeah. As far as I know, I was, so I was certainly the first in the family to go to university. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless I'm, I haven't checked recently, but I'm probably still the only person to have gone to university. Right. Okay. So I, there, were, there wasn't a sort of a long legacy of uh, engineering. It's just it's it's something that I kind of I kind of I loved playing with. Yeah. Um, we had um, a BOC manufacturing plant um, doing medical devices, anesthesia, um, a mile from the house. So I, I right, was sponsored okay. by them okay. fairly early on. And just like I, I really love this. This yeah, is yeah. exciting stuff. Were you, were you sort of good at school? Were you academic or? Uh... Yeah, I was pretty good. Um, I went to a grammar school up in Skipton, up in the Yorkshire Dales. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a sort of a fairly sort of cutthroat kind of uh, <laughs> assessment and testing, sort of uh, every stage. Was, um, yeah, there was a very sort of big academic drive. Yeah, um, yeah. It kind of wanes slightly. So I went from that sort of nerdy teenager into sort of suddenly discovering there's a life out there. Um, <laughs> and for a long time, I was the only member of my family that had left Yorkshire and discovered there was life outside Yorkshire. I was going to say, do you miss the miss the Dales? <laughs> yes, it, it's, it's a beautiful part of the world. And my whole family is still within a sort of kind of five mile radius up in, right, up okay. in Yorkshire. Um, do you get back up there much then? Or? Not as much as I'd like, and certainly not over the last couple of years. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. So we've not been up as much as we could have done, but yeah, it's it's nice to go back. It's a nice it's, part of the world. Yeah, I went to Union Leeds. So okay, kind That's of knew it a little bit, but yeah. probably wasn't you know that cultural. But <laughs> yes, so, uh, yeah, nice part of the world. Okay, cool. So um, yeah, so coming back to that time, then when uh, what led you from going, you know, you know, doing the job role that you were doing, into starting PCH, then take through that transition. Um, Working for JM, um, we lost a major customer, um, right. which meant we then lost about 50 heads. Right. And I was one of the sort of most senior members who was kind of transitioning between sort of roles in the business. Right. Um, so I, that was an obvious target at that point for a redundancy. Right. Um, working, because I'd been running the, the project to build the school, um, and we racked up sort of tens of thousands of hours doing this in front of um, the administration, the local authority. So at the point where the redundancy happened, the director of investment was leaving the council. Okay. And the powers of be kind of went, would you like to come and do and get paid for the stuff you've been doing for free? Right. And so it was yeah. fantastic. So I, I walked yeah. at that point into a sort of senior director's role oh, um, at the local authority. Okay. Thankfully, at arm's length to the council. Okay. So I was a consultant outside the council. I was able to be Why that. Why would you civ- say thankful? Thankfully. Well, <laughs> I'm not a civil servant, and, okay. and the process sort of kind of, sort of taught me that, that that wasn't where, that was where my future lied. Yeah. Um, I loved being able to be private sector 
mm-hmm. operating in that public sector space. Okay. And found that because we were dealing with real businesses, that typical public sector mindset just didn't work. Right. Um, okay. It was all about how do we tick council targets and local authority targets rather than actually how do we solve the problem of bottom line mm. the businesses. Mm. Um, so in the, my sort of first year of running that, um, I think I had more, more traffic and more engagement and more businesses through the process in one year than the previous nine from my oh, wow. predecessor because okay. we came from a very different mindset. Okay, because they were sort of, like, as Local you say, ticking the, ticking the council boxes and yes. you were ticking the business boxes. Yes. And I, I kind of quickly right. learned that actually, if I could help tick those boxes, actually we could then use the powers of their capability to really unlock the, what real help can we get to those businesses? Mm-hmm. What are their real challenges going on? Mm-hmm. And that mindset just changed that engagement um, beautifully. Yeah, yeah. When the council, um, the, the bit that I worked for was subject to the whims of sort of the, the political direction. And it was inevitable at some point that that would be pulled back inside the council. Right, okay. And at that point, I thought, I am not a civil servant. Right. I enjoy being outside. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go inside it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the businesses I was working with basically said, look, we, we, we want to continue working with you. Um, I was still doing quite a lot of capital projects, so I was immediately asked um, to be involved with um, trying to build film, some film studios mm-hmm. um, for a um, CIC in Swindon um, called Create Studios. Um, I was involved in the plan to build a brand new museum and art gallery. It was a £25 million amazing project. Right. Um, and all these projects were heavily funded through either the Arts Council, um, the Heritage Lottery funding, or various sort of government grant processes, a lot of which were tied to European funding. Mm-hmm. Right. About the time we decided to leave Europe. Okay. <laughs> um, and a lot of that funding sort of disappeared. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my journey into, like, okay, I'll do more of these kind of projects. Maybe I can turn this into some kind of sort of business support process. Uh-huh. Um, learning the hard way that running your own business is very different to knowing about how business works. Right, yeah. Um, and yeah. I still say it's one of the hardest things I've ever done is set up, set up the own, own business. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to ask you next, really, about, you know, that, yeah, that process, because I'm sure now looking back on it, you can say, well, it was great, but I'm sure it was... Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It I, was I'm, hard, yeah. Um, Realising that sort of nearly 30 years of corporate life and working for large organisations thinking that I knew everything there was to know about business, systems, processes, management structures, strategy, all mm. that kind of stuff. And realizing actually running your own business it's is just, none of that stuff. It's just me. <laughs> it's just me um, having to sort of cover all these different um, skill sets, process all these different hats. Um, so do you, do you think you kind of like, do you think the sort of, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it naivety because you obviously weren't naive at that stage. But do you think that sort of naivety helped you to take that step? Like if you, you know, because deciding to set up on your own is a a big thing. Yes. And, you know, I always think, I always ask people, you know, what, what made you do, you know, what made you decide to do that? Because how did you know that it was an option even, especially when you've been working in corporates for so long, it's kind of, you don't always know that that's really an option, if you know what I mean. No, I think it, it's, it's one of those things. I'd always had an idea that at some point I would have my own company. Did you? Um, from when? F- 
for um, a long time before sort of circumstances allowed me to step into that. I just had no idea what I was going to do. What, what, why, why do you think you had that feeling? I think it was a sense that there's something more. The working for other people, there's this idea that working for myself, I had have the freedom to do a lot more, much more expansive, be, rather than constrained to um, the rules and the processes, mm -hmm. to actually be much more explorative in terms of what can we achieve. Right. Okay. Um, and part of my challenge was that my experience and the stuff I did across business covered everything from managing people, systems, processes, structure, innovation, equipment, efficiencies, productivity, um, almost every aspect of business mm. without necessarily being a specialist in any one of those things. Okay. So, so, so what am I going to set up to do? Because <laughs> generalist support doesn't sound like something that's going to make a lot of money. Um, and actually what I found now is that um, the way that we work, the way that I work and the, the team works is actually, it's that ability to step back from the detail mm -hmm. and see the bigger picture actually is that, um, that specialism. Um, that's a skill set in itself. That, that's something that uh, um, I hadn't valued at that stage. Which is uh, funny because at the beginning you said that, you know, going as an engineer, it was the details and everything that you really enjoyed that drove you. And it still is. And I think... <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. But I, I guess it's kind of how do you go from... Well, not how do you, but it's just interesting, I think. Yeah. That, like, you know, you're into the details and then now you've been able to step back from the details. So. I think there was, there was that point where, as I was sort of nudging on that door of moving from senior manager position into director role, yeah. So I was pushing that next level of my, my career. Right. And that dawning realization that I didn't have that strategic training. Okay. I was very much a, when the problem, when it gets difficult, I'll jump in the trenches, I'll work hard, <laughs> I'll put stupid amounts of hours in right. to solve okay. problems. Yeah. And it's only subsequently as I've come through that evolution of other projects, see, actually, no, it's a step out, find a smart way to solve that problem. Rather than just working hard, see a mm -hmm. different way to solve that problem. And that's now become sort of the hallmark of what we do with businesses. It's that okay. step back, see a different outcome. Yeah. Once you see the different outcome, then dip, dip back in again, then work hard on the things that actually make a difference. Yeah. So I still love the detail. And part of my challenge now is keeping me out of the detail. Because <laughs> it's really easy for me to sort of dive back into that operational role. Right, okay. Um, but that's, that's what makes it so really nice for working with clients, particularly where it's industries that I've had experience in. I can go quite deep into the company. We'll go back to the, sort of the headline objectives and the strategic sort of direction, yeah. set the outcomes, mm -hmm. and then say, okay, so let me help you fix those things. Mm -hmm. um, and now with a very expansive team of associates who are specialists in some of those things that I know quite a lot about, yeah. now we're going, okay, it's not for me to do this this is no longer my role in life. Actually, I'm going to bring the experts in to solve yeah. this for you. Okay. Um, so I still get involved in the, in the detail. I've just learned to be able to step back and just see that slightly more objective view in life. Okay. And that makes yeah, a big yeah. difference. Yeah. yeah, and see that sort of putting the strategies in place to do it properly kind yes. of is a way of solving the problems rather than just sort of firefighting the yeah, problems. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of went through an evolution. So coming out of corporate life in sort of setting up the business, um, 
realizing that I'd done everything from sort of the relationship management and all the systems and processes, but actually the marketing, commercialization, getting clients was something I'd never done. Right. Um, and it wasn't my natural happy space. Yeah. Um, and that dawning realization that businesses don't work unless you get people through the door. <laughs> um, so I went through um, a business accelerator program with um, Robin Waite and the Fearless Business Program, which was fantastic in terms of really shaping the, um, the value proposition, getting me to sort of the niche, what we do. Mm-hmm. So starting out thinking, Okay, here are all the different things. I think we had a list of around sort of 70 different sort of um, business functions that we'd done, we'd been involved right. in, that we could solve problems with. Um, and it was actually um, talking to the, the growth of Siren Sester, mm-hmm. um, saying, here's what we offer. And getting these sort of blank looks, says, well, where do we start with that list? <laughs> yeah. Give me something tangible, pick two things. Yeah. Um, at the time, picked um, innovation and overwhelm. Right. And suddenly, um, that resonated. And they went, oh, we've got four or five people who are completely overwhelmed. You'd be perfect to go and talk to them. And suddenly, that niching to something quite tangible made it really easy to engage. And it was the first point where we realized that um, can't be generalist in this. We have to sort of niche it sufficiently to be able to talk about it to get enough attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that became the focus. And so now... Growth and overwhelm is the real focus for what we do. Mm-hmm. The 70 things we can do to the business, we can still do. We can still do them, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we get inside the business on the back of the, um, I'm overwhelmed, I can't grow the business, or I would like to grow the business, I don't have to do it, yeah. I don't have any time. Yeah. Then it's the, okay, so what needs to happen to build the building blocks to give you the business that will achieve that? Yeah. Um, and then solve those things. Some of those we can do, some of them we bring the experts in to, to help support it. Yeah. But it's that being really clear about what we do. It's a massive thing, isn't yeah. it? And I, I, I did an episode recently about niching because it's been such a transformational thing for, for my business. And uh, I just talked about, you know, how being like a generalist, you know, photographer, video producer, no one knows who to introduce you to or anything. No. As soon as you say we do it for engineering, manufacturing and tech people they know who to introduce you to and it just like i i think and i don't know if you agree with this but i think that like any business could find a niche and yes. be if they're struggling be more successful yes by by just doing that and honing the me- message absolutely and, it, and it's something i kind of learned the hard way is the i was involved in a project where somebody i knew didn't ask me to help them on something. And when I questioned them, I said, well, but you know that this is my industry. You know I've done that job. Yeah. Um, yes, but I had a look on your website and you didn't specifically talk about this thing. <laughs> when I did a general search, I found this company who said they did specialize in that. Right, okay. So, so even though you knew I could do this job and had more experience in doing it than probably the people that you were talking to, because they said they actually did this, that gave you the confidence that they were It's absolutely. Yeah. It's that sort of mental notion of, if you tell the world you do something, <laughs> enough people who want that thing will find you. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something I kind of work with a lot of my clients now saying, well, what do you actually do? What do you tell the world mm. is the thing that you are good at? Mm. Um, and it's amazing how when they really focus, um, 
and the difference that makes in terms of your position, the wax and the awareness. So obviously you, you sort of referenced um, Ian Woodley at um, Steeler recently. The transition from a great design agency with lots of different sort of functions and products into actually finding something with the, the portfolio and the Stilo Touch, this other digital presentation tool mm. that really became the focus for their business and the yeah. difference 12 months on. We mean, <laughs> yeah. um, it's an, an yeah. amazing transition. It's massive, isn't it? Based around, they've really focused on one thing and doing it really well. Yeah. And yeah. That, that was a really big challenge for Ian and part of the process of taking him on that journey of learning to really focus, really understand the impact of that. And that was one of the things that I kind of, um, go back to the, the, the Fearless Business Program, was very much for me, coming from a world where we'd use lots of consultants, I understand sort of the consultancy world, going back out as a one-man band, the world didn't want to pay me consultancy fees because <laughs> I had no reputation in that sort of yeah. place. Um, and having sort of almost sort of rebuild that. The program was very much right of stop selling time for money. Mm -hmm. It's not about day rates. What is the impact of what you do? And actually, what does that do downstream? And actually, mm -hmm. is it worth, therefore, the cost? Yeah. So me walking into a company in my early step stages um, saying, okay, I, I can definitely help you. We can make some cost savings. I can see how we can improve the business. I can see how we can sort of, sort of grow at the organization. And the client saying, so what's that going to cost me? And me saying, it's probably going to cost 20,000, 30,000 pounds for my time for the year. And they kind of look at me as if, really? <laughs> Leading the conversation now, which is the, I can save you half a million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> or I can add a million pounds to your bottom line. Yeah. Is that worth 20, 30,000 pounds of my time? Yeah, yeah. In that context, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to give me a sort of uh, half a million pound saving or a million pounds sort of additional revenue, absolutely you're worth it. And that's been the thing, it's, it's sell outcomes. Yeah, stop selling yeah. time um and that just transitions that whole what do we do how do we do it yeah who do you do it for yes um <laughs> and we, we, obviously we were talking before this um and referencing the e-myth mm -hmm. so again that was a pivotal moment in terms of that sort of design success design the business that if you are that it runs itself if you are instrumental in the middle of your business and if every process that you have in your business is dependent on you as the business owner there is a point where you become the bottleneck. Mm -hmm. And that's the specialism that we have for PCH. Mm -hmm. It's the, those businesses that have grown to the point where you as the owner have become the bottleneck and are now overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. You're spinning so many plates. Um, there's not enough time in the day, sort of stressed, um, working silly hours. But you've built this amazing business and suddenly it feels like you're failing because, hang on, it's been amazing till now. What, what went wrong? You're a slave to it as you're well, You're slave I to suppose, it. Yeah. And it's, it's the, there's... there's then it's the, the real sign of leadership to say, I need some help. Mm. I don't know how to stop being busy. Mm. I can't see any mechanism for moving forward. Mm. And that's been sort of great to be able to sort of go into businesses, help them just stop for a moment to say, there's a different way to think about your business. Mm -hmm. Let's think about designing what a success might look like. And that was the, sort of the, the e-myth principle, which is the design of success. Mm -hmm. Design the business on a point in time where you are successful. What does that success look like? Put a number on it and say, work backwards. What would have to be true to make that happen? And it just changes the mindset. It's not how yeah. hard do I have to work? 
It's what can I do that's going to get that objective to happen. Yeah, and yeah. Shift in mindset is phenomenal. Um, the clients we've worked with have been on that journey. Um, look back now and go, it's, it's such a straightforward process. But in that moment, I couldn't see the wood for the trees. Yeah, and that's yeah, what we just bring that yeah. clarity. Uh, but even, even like figuring out that number, what that number is when you're successful is kind of a whole thing in itself, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but different people have different requirements. So um, I work with businesses where the business owner has decided that they'd like to sell the business at a point in time. And I want to sell the business for £5 million. Um, the business is currently turning over I don't know, three, four million. You go, so you've only got a million pounds to go before I can sell it for five million pounds. Then you kind of go, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, there's a simple metric around it. It's four times declared profit plus assets plus goodwill. And in their case, it meant that for them to actually sell the business for five million, we had to get them to nearly 10 million pounds turnover yeah. at their current level of profitability. <clears throat> To, sell it, to be able to sell it for £5 million pounds mm-hmm. real value, which was astonishing to them. They hadn't seen that. So whereas they thought they would sort of tick along quite nicely, suddenly realised they had somehow transitioned from a £4 million pound company to a £10 million pound company yeah, yeah. and had no idea how to do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's when we said, them, okay, so let's design what a £10 million pound company would look like for you. Yeah. How many clients would you need? Mm-hmm. Can you sell what you sell enough times to get to £10 million? Mm-hmm. Have you got enough staff to do that? What would that look like? Have you got the warehouse space? Have you got the infrastructure, the processes? Is there something else that you could do that which would um, change your pricing structure, mean that you could do more so without having to double your ter- the number of people on site? Can mm. you get more things through the company? Is there a different mm. way of selling your product? Can you go into some kind of subscription models rather than sort of direct sales? There's all sorts of things you can look mm. at. Mm. Um, and that's been amazing. What we do a lot of is, what does success look like for you? We play a mm-hmm. game. Imagine sitting on a sofa five years' time. Okay. One Sunday evening, you're yeah. sat with the other half family around you, you're beer in your hand, you're kind of going, <laughs> the last five years have been utterly amazing. Can't yeah. believe the path we've been down, the journey we've been on. We now have everything we've ever wanted. What does that look like? And you get people to sort of describe the number of days they're working, what salary would they have, um, where they're living. Um, I joke about how big is the boat in Monaco Harbour. You, d- <laughs> you decide what that looks like for you. Yeah. Um, you do other projects. And suddenly you go, okay, so uh, you'd like £100,000 a year, guaranteed income. You'd like to be able to up sticks and go explore Australia for a month mm. or two months. And the business continues without you. Um, you only want to pop in the office a couple of days a week because you've got other projects you want to do some charity work on. Well, if you're not in every day, that means somebody else has to run your company. Who is that? If somebody else has to run the company, you have to have a clear set of instructions on how your company runs. Mm-hmm. So that's the formation of your quality system, the processes, the operations. How many people do you need? For you to have an income of 100,000, and your business is running at sort of 10% net profit, that means you've got to have a million pound company. Well, currently you've got a 100,000 pound company. So you've got to go from 100,000 to a million in five years. Yeah. And quite often when you sort of sit down with somebody, 
and show them that, it becomes quite emotive. We get tears. There's, there's sort of, yeah. The only way I can get this dream, this the reason I've been running my business for the last five years, ten years, to give me this this outcome um, means I have to build a million pound company, and I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. And that's and that's shocking for them. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So now, what do we have to do to your business? Can you sell enough of your product to get to a million pound turnover? Mm-hmm. What would that mean in terms of the total number of transactions? How much warehouse space would you need? Is that viable? If not, what are we going to change? Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's the not how hard do you work, it's the what would have to be true to run a million pound company. Yeah, yeah. And that, that working from right to left, which is the set the outcome and say what are the building blocks that make that happen. And at the same point, we then look at, um, so at that scale, you need to have an HR process. You have to, how are you going to look after your people? Mm-hmm. How do you make it a great place to work? How do we look at efficiencies and processes? We build systematically every part of the business at that point. Yeah. And suddenly yeah. it becomes a roadmap. It's not a wish list anymore. Yeah. And that's, that turns it into, I can see this. I can see the stepping stones <laughs> of how I'm going to make this into a million pound business. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ian, again, is a great example. We set that path. We worked out what the five-year plan looked like for him. Yeah. Um, Ian's done it in 15 months. Well... <laughs> because what happens in the process if once you set all the building blocks all the processes that allow you to operate as a business that would operate as a million pounds opportunities come along yeah so for Ian um, his product and his messaging meant that we had to change the way his business looked to be able to appeal to a target audience at that level mm-hmm. which meant new studio build staff, new branding, clear messaging, so mm-hmm. that he looked like the kind of business that would operate with multi-billion pound companies. Yeah. Um, but once he's in a position where he's doing that, then lots of those businesses start to go, we're really interested in what you're offering. Mm-hmm. You've niched in sort of the nuance of that, that product um, and being able to describe the impact of his product for a, a business. Yeah. So whereas before it was a useful tool that he was selling. Yeah. We change the messaging to this will give you something like an additional 5% actual profit. So for a sales organization that's turning over 100 million pounds, an additional 5 million pounds of pure profit mm. for what would be a 50,000 pound investment mm. that he'd been selling for a 5,000 pounds previously yeah. was a huge transition. Yeah, yeah. And it's meant that the, the curve has been much, much faster than he expected. Yeah. And we're yeah. now going, well, Let's let's revisit. So something that's yeah. what was probably ten years, fifteen years in, in the distance. Yeah. Can we do that in two years, three years? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's inspiring stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a great journey, and uh, and, 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 and he's been sort of the uh, um, a star pupil in terms of the um, embracing the idea. Of yeah, it, yeah. Um, getting involved and learning on the process. This has been astonishing. Well, but th- but this is the model that we have with lots of our clients. It's the, yeah. What about the sort of uh, the, the mental shift in terms of thinking bigger as well? Because I think that's something maybe a lot of people struggle with. I know I have in terms of going from that kind of mindset of, you know, I'm just worth this to actually I could do this. Yes. Actually, I could do that. Actually, really, there's no limit to what I could do. And I, I'm definitely not there yet. But it's hard, like, I've found expanding your your sort of mindset and thinking actually yeah I could do this <laughs> it, it is and it's a big challenge and it, it, it's quite often the um, 
when you show people, so the instance where somebody operating a hundred thousand pound turnover a year, um, saying right, we'd like to get you to a hundred to a million pounds to give you that dream. Mm. Me run a million pound business? I I don't know how to. I would never dream of being at that kind of level. Um, It's okay. So we're going to show you the stepping stones. If we design the business at that point, so one of my clients at the moment um, is a website developer, Mm. and I got him to map all of his services and put numbers against each of those lines and say, just keep adding clients into each of those boxes until we get to that target number. So for him, he needs to get to um, about 600,000 was the point where we give him and his wife everything they've ever wanted, mm-hmm. with the business that ran itself, enough mm-hmm. income to then go and disappear for three, four months at a time. Um, and what he realized when we start to play with those numbers, that only, he only added to, had to add probably three or four new clients into each of those boxes mm-hmm. to give him that total outcome. Right, okay. And he hadn't seen it. <laughs> he, he was too close to it. Yeah, yeah. And said, so this is just about adding very specifically those products that had the most revenue with the most profitability and really focusing on those things rather than the noise that he was involved in. So Mm. just changing those two, three things actually made a big difference. And suddenly the million pound business or the 600,000 pound business looked real. Yeah, yeah. It looked like something that he could do. Whereas before, it just seemed like a scary number. Yeah, something other people do. <laughs> yeah. And then we build a stepping stone of, right, so you don't have to do the million pounds tomorrow. Yeah. But here's the first step. Yeah, yeah. The, the, let's just work out how you're going to get to that next level, then the next level. And suddenly, at each of those sort of um, targets, the next one doesn't look too scary. Yeah. And it seems believable and real. And I liken it to, you walk into a shop, and you see a jacket on the on the sh- on the rack, and you kind of look at it and go, I'm "Not sure it's me." Go and try it on. Walk around the store in it a little bit. Yeah. You kind of go, "Actually, this feels good." <laughs> you look in the mirror and kind of go, "Yeah, I can do this. This is the, I can I can command this look." It, it was basically it's the whole point of setting that goal is that you start to believe you are capable of operating at a million pound level. Yeah. Or two million, yeah. or ten million, whatever your target is. And once you start to believe it and act like it and start to mm. understand what will be required at that level, it starts to become familiar. Mm. And there are things that you do as a small company that you can't get away with as a big company. And you start to eliminate some of those processes and things. Right. Actually, I can't do that because that, that process, that thing we make that takes four hours. I've got to do it in an hour. Otherwise, yeah. I'm never going to get to that number. So what piece of kit do I need to buy? How many more people do I need? And suddenly, you start to solve problems. And that mindset gives you the confidence that you can actually get to that level. So here's a question then. <laughs> as you're kind of, uh, as you're growing, what comes first? Is it like that you, in terms of sort of buying kit and things like that, for example, or putting in you know, processes into the business, like, I don't know, maybe around HR or something like that. If you're, you know, one person in the business, for example, and you know that you've got to get to, you want to get to, I don't know, 20 people in the business, you've got to have that HR thing in place. Do you put that in at one or do you wait until 
I don't know, five or something where you have to have it in. And similarly with sort of buying kit and things like that, do you grow until the point that you really need that bit of kit or do you get that bit of kit and then you go out and say, I can now do do this work and the work comes in because it's hard to have the sort of faith that you're going to get the work in yeah. <laughs> when you invest in the in the kit. So I, I don't know if that's a clear question, but do you yeah. see what I'm so saying? It, it, there could be a chicken and egg process there. Every business is different. Yeah. And so one of the things that um, is a big part of this process is the business owner recognising that the value that they bring to the business is not inside the business. Mm-hmm. You as the business owner are the face of the business. You are the one who's going out and convincing the world that you are really bloody good at what you guys do mm-hmm. and actually landing the new contracts, talking to potential customers and going and actually winning that business. Mm-hmm. So your value is really kind of having that passion, that drive that gets more business into, the, into your company. Mm-hmm. To do that and to be able to ex- focus externally, you have to make sure that internally, therefore, is managed. Mm-hmm. So quite often the first step is that who runs the business when I'm not there? Mm-hmm. And that might just be who's your first hire? Who yeah. is the one person I'm going to train to be me when I'm not here? Who yeah. answers the phone when I'm not in the office? Yeah. Um, and so working out all the things that must be true and then prioritizing those things and saying, actually, which of those things do we need first? Mm. So a plenty of business that they work with where the first thing they need is the, the owner of the business to stop being so busy. Mm-hmm. So what is the first thing we can do to take, give that person time back? Because this, the, what's in their head, the time to think strategically and plan the business is what's missing. Planning the business time per week just to think what can we do differently is the most valuable to the business. It's the thing that accelerates you the fastest. And quite often that first step is Let's identify three or four things that you as the business owner are doing and hand them over to a virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. Something that just gives you back a couple of hours per week, maybe as simple as that, where you can stop and think, how could I do this better? Mm-hmm. And that time becomes invaluable. Yeah. And in that time, there'll be two or three things you say, actually, if only I'd done this, or rather than selling this product, can we sell more of this product? Because that makes more money. How do I get more customers here? Now, it seems obvious, but when you're so busy, you miss that, those subtleties. Yeah. And suddenly, you'll start to see a subtle change of, we're now making a little bit more money on the products we sell because we're selling more of the stuff we make money on mm-hmm. and less of the other stuff. Um, our marketing moved from being fairly general to, actually, let's really focus on the product that makes us the most money mm. that we're actually better at. Mm. Um, mm. And then once you've got a little bit more time, each time you put a, a new layer of, I don't have to be the one doing that process. So one of the simple ways of doing that is to, for a business owner to say, this is something I do every day. I'm the only person in the business that can do it, therefore it has to be my job. I haven't got time to train anybody. <laughs> and I then say, okay, so on the 1st of June this year, you will not be that person. What has to be true? Uh, we have to hire somebody, okay. What skills do they need? How long is it going to take? What's it going to cost? What will be the impact of having that person? What will you do with that time? Yeah. We put a plan together and they say, right, but I can't afford that person today. Mm-hmm. Imagine the process of once you've got them, 
what could your business do? What could you do? Because you as the business owner have the potential to add 50 or 100,000 pounds income to your business because you're out talking to customers for the cost of putting a 30, 40,000 pound manager into your business. Mm. If you're clear about the outcome, do you think we can borrow that money to invest in that person? And it's amazing how many business owners go, would invest in a 30,000 pound piece of equipment yeah. to make the production process faster but would hesitate to invest in 30, 40,000 pounds in a new employee to run the business. Right, yeah. Because yeah. they don't see it in the same mindset. But actually, yeah. in most cases, that employee will pay for themselves within a year. Mm-hmm. Because you, as a business owner, are now focusing on things that are not just keeping things ticking over. You're really adding to the, um, the revenue mm-hmm. stream, the profitability. Interesting. And that's where the real value <laughs> is. So the, the, yeah. there is always that chicken and egg process. Um, yeah, yeah. Ian, perfect example for um, Stilo, we built the organization that's capable of landing the work. Yeah. And he now has a forward order book for the next year that is five times his total revenue at the point where we met 18 months ago. Right. Wow. Astonishing improvement. <laughs> um, but to do that, there was quite a lot of the <coughs> investing in the team, in the business, in the premises, in the branding, and all of that stuff before orders started to land. Mm-hmm. It's been quite brave from Ian's point of view. Yeah, definitely. But he's got that confidence in that the, the business model now is getting the attention. It's going to happen. The, the business is coming in. Mm. Um, but there was a moment in the middle of that where it was the, okay, we spent a lot of money to get to this point. Yeah. Is this business going to land? Yeah. Um, and there's that bravery. But once the belief's there, that the business plan is sound, you have a model that's going to work. If all those things that you said had to be true to deliver that were in place, mm-hmm. it's going to work. Yeah. And that, it, particularly, I work with lots of um, financial brokers. And that confidence of um, what does success look like for the business and being clear about what will the, the challenges be, how will we manage cash flow at that point, all the challenges of growth, have we got experts around us who've been on this journey before? And mm. really build that outcome, really sort of do the detailed business review at the point of success. Yeah. Gives that level of confidence for an investor then to come along and go, actually, you really do know what you're doing here. You mm. have a plan that's robust. It's not just, we want to be here at this point in time. It's actually, we want to be here. This is exactly how we'll do it. Yeah, this yeah. is how we'll run. This is our company structure. Here are the processes. And that clarity is the thing that then convinces them to say, actually, we can lend you money now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of metrics around um, 80% of new businesses don't get past three years. Right, 80%. 80%. Is it? Right, okay. Of those that get past three years, yeah. 80% of them do not get to five years. Okay. Well. So only 4% <laughs> of new businesses get to five years old. Oh, right, okay. So if 4%. you are looking at investing in your business oh. and you're looking at a five year plan, yeah. and the first thing the broker says to you or the um, lender says, so, how are you going to survive? Prove to me that you'll get to year four and year five. So you have to show them what year four and year five looks like for your business mm-hmm. and how you'll be successful. Um, right, okay. And that's a real sort of mindset challenge of, it's not just working hard, it's being really clear about what success looks like. And that's the difference of those businesses that do survive. They have that clarity. Right. Okay. And that's what we do as part of the, um, the accelerator process is help you decide what that looks like and then help you build it. Yeah. Okay. And it works well. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. And, it, and, and for me, it's, it's fantastic because it's, it's working with 
lots of different sectors. Yeah. yeah a lot of the focus is around, obviously, I'm come from um, an engineering, technology, innovation kind of background. Um, but worked with food materials, we've worked with um, energy companies, um, solicitor, um, any business where there's a level of overwhelm where it needs the owner to sort of put some process in place, step back. Mm-hmm. And for me, that means I don't get bored. It's great. Yeah. Like, different business every day sort of involved in. Um, but it just works. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, I can tell your enthusiasm for I, what you do. I absolutely love it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and watching people like Ian and various other clients I work with go on that journey and seeing success happen and yeah. then almost surprising themselves in terms of, <laughs> I didn't think there was a way forward. I couldn't see how I could do something different to what we were already doing. Yeah. Just with a few subtle changes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've said it quite, probably quite a few times before, and I said it at the meetup when we were at Ian's place in October. But I remember, I think I spoke to Ian about, it might have been the day after or a week after or something, his first meeting with you. And he was like a completely different person. Yes. <laughs> it was like, and suddenly like completely changed, like had all this drive and energy and like knew what he was doing, clarity. Yes. And I was like, wow, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, clarity was the word that obviously came out of your podcast quite a lot and um, something we've talked about is that suddenly he couldn't see where that could go. He couldn't see how he could change what he was doing. Yeah. And then suddenly there was a plan. Yeah. There's a way forward. Like There's when you said it's a roadmap, it's, yes. you, you can see where to go, can't yeah. you? Like literally. And I now, think that's... And so every business is different. So for him, we actually didn't do most of the the action list we put together, the things that had to be in place. We quickly identified that actually the two things he needed was A, to look like a business that was capable of winning multi-million pound business. Mm. Um, And then working out the clear messaging Mm -hmm. with that product. So we really focused on those two things. Um, Actually, I was with Ian this morning, and now we're going back and going... So here are all the other things that the company now needs to put in place, some of the systems and processes to backfill mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But for him, he was desperately needing to, let's get the clients first of all. Mm-hmm. So each business is different, and that's, that's, that's why I love it. It's, it's the, the process is the same. Yeah. But which part of the, the process you need help with is different. Mm-hmm. So some people are fabulous at the finances. Some people are fabulous at the manufacturing process. Great product. Yeah. Um, they have a great team. But somewhere, as we go through each of the sort of different parts of the business, we'll sort of lift the lid and go, yeah, that's good. Ooh, let's fix this bit. Yeah. Um, and that's where sort of the associate model that means that we're not a come and fix every part of the business. Mm-hmm. We go through the things where you need help. Yeah. And what you need help on is different from what somebody else needs. Yeah, And we'll bring sure. the person in to fix those bits. Um, and I kind of learned that little bit of humility um, over the last couple of years that this isn't me doing it to your company. This isn't me doing it to you. Yeah, yeah. This is helping you do it for yourself. Yeah. If you can't see it, you have to put that jacket on. You have to decide that that feels comfortable for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't. You can't really do it for other people, can you? No. Because if they haven't got the drive to do it, you know, you, you can't help people that can't be helped. That, that no. Don't want to be helped. Sorry, I mean. <laughs> and mindset is a huge part of this. Yeah. So if you, as a business owner, um, believe that you have all the answers but somehow it's not working mm. the chances are you're not going to be looking for help 
mm. you won't accept the help. Yeah. And yeah. The, the process works best with businesses, uh, business owners who recognize that actually they might not have all the answers. Mm. There might be things that they don't know about and there may be other ways of doing it. Mm. Um, recognizing that lots of people don't necessarily have the, the management training or the strategic training to take their company to the scale that they need to get it to. Mm. Mm. That's okay. That's just, there's some skills to learn. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But those people who are prepared to embrace that yeah. are the ones who will be successful. Um, we've worked with a number of companies where the individuals involved are so sure of themselves, so confident, somewhat arrogant in terms of, um, we've built a 10 million pound business, why do we need help? Yeah. Well, actually, we're here because you phoned us to say, we're not making any money, or we've got some major problems. Yeah. Yet you're not willing to change anything. Um, so that mindset of, we know things have to change, we want to do something different. And that's quite often why we play that game of the, um, where do you want to be, what does success look like? and show them that if they continue doing what they're doing, they're never going to get their dreams. Yeah, yeah. That process that you tell me what you need to change in your business to give you the thing that you tell me that is really important to you. And that subtle change <laughs> of focus is enough quite often to say, okay, so what do we need to change? Yeah, yeah. Whereas 10 minutes beforehand, I'm not changing anything. We've done it this way for five years. Um, we know what we're doing. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. In which case, you're only ever going to get the same outcome then. And that process, is, it's been, that, that's the really powerful point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once that's changed, once that mindset has changed, suddenly, what can we do? Now I can see, uh, you know, how your background in putting factories together yes. is so relevant to what you're doing now. Oh, absolutely. Because um, <laughs> the flow, it's the workflow and the systems it's and, the process, and everything yes. and, and ending up at that end point of... yeah. The product what, what shipping mean, out. Yeah. To and it's great if it's a company that you're working with where um, the team needs developing. So you haven't got the right people, the right clear job roles and responsibilities mm. in there. Let's put a structure in place. Or the quality system's not working properly. Or um, the project management isn't quite working. I can get quite involved because that's kind of my background. Yeah. Um, if it's starting to get involved in some, some of the financial planning, I can go so far, but then we'll bring experts in to say, actually, there's some tax loopholes here, or there's some um, the ways that we'll need to structure this that will be much more efficient. There's yeah. a better way of doing this. Um, yeah. You've got problems with suppliers. Okay, so where's your supply chain management? Who's leading that? Yeah. I can yeah. get heavily involved in those things. Um, some of those things are consistent across industries, and obviously there's my happy place around the technology stuff. But that's true. I work with a pet food company. I knew nothing about pet food, but the principles of having processes in place yeah. um, were exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, I quite often get challenged by various owners of saying, what do you know about my industry? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Actually, that's not entirely true, but um, let me guess you're suffering these kind of problems. You're not having enough hours in the day or you're finding you're not seeing the family at the weekends and you're bringing work home and working silly hours and you've got staff problems and um, you've had some product quality and some of your customers aren't happy with you. <laughs> how, how do you know my business? <laughs> it's consistent. Yeah, at the same yeah, stage yeah. of overwhelm. Yeah. Um, let's start to look at it. And it's amazing how then the, the, the problems are very similar. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's what we were saying at the beginning, isn't it? That there's the thing yeah. that you do and then there's the the craft of running the business yes. and that's the bit you're working on which is 
I guess, pretty similar for... It is pretty similar, but I, I love then getting involved in sort of the new businesses and finding out what do they do? What's, yeah, what's the yeah, nuance? What's the thing, yeah. their product, their service, or what do they do? Yeah, um, yeah. So um, I mentioned sort of about working with accountants. So the um, the Velocitech um, business accelerator that um, we Oh, yeah, we haven't even talked about that. A couple we? of weeks ago. <laughs> came out of... Um, one of my clients is... Um, and Danielle Cole at um, Cole Accounting in Cheltenham. And same process, utterly overwhelmed, brilliant company, great reputation, um, struggling to grow the business because they were working all hours, mm. but actually not making a lot of profit. Mm -hmm. um, couldn't see wood for trees. And, and that ability to then change what they were doing, we're struggling to do that. So I was introduced and we looked at the system processes and basically saw that they were over delivering. Right. They were giving everybody silver service when they were paying for bronze level support. Right. Because okay. they wanted that. We want to excel. We want people to love us. Yeah, yeah. Which is brilliant. Yeah. But it meant that when you actually worked out, half of those customers were actually costing them money because mm. they were delivering too much time but had no mechanism to control that. So let's put process in place. Those businesses that are costing you money, what are you going to do with them? Either be prepared to let them go because they're costing you money. Yeah. Or move them up to the silver package and explain to them, as you've grown, this is the service you're getting. Actually, we have to put the prices up. Mm. Uh, in their instance, all but two moved to the new level. Really? We added £150,000 revenue almost overnight. That's I'd, the surprising thing, isn't yeah. it? Stuff like that, that we, you know, we always get worried about mm -hmm. that we're going to lose the client or, you know, like people worry about following up you know, yeah. after, after they've sent a proposal or something, that oh, they're going to get a bit annoyed and stuff. But yeah. The majority of the time of these things, people are just more than happy, aren't they? Because right, they want to so. see you succeed as well. Yes. So I had um, a kickoff day with a client this week. And in the, the evaluation of their current clients, something like 15 of their clients out of a total of 150 represented something silly like 75% of their total revenue. Right. And... So I said, how about if the only customers you are now allowed to sign are of equivalent level to those 15? So that everything, so the growth, the next 15, 20 clients that you take on board allows you to double the business. Yeah. Those clients have the most profitability yeah. for the least amount of work. Yeah. So all the noise of all the little clients you're dealing with, so now you're only allowed to sign those big ones. Yeah. And this is the sort of one of those mindset things of, most businesses set up saying, but I have to be able to service everybody. I have to look after everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, this is where yeah. you need to work out who are you there for. And it's okay to say no to some sections that you would assume were part of your client base. Mm -hmm. um, working with a lady at the moment who runs a chiropractic service. Yeah. Working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Um, and we worked out that the equivalent amount of money she's earning per hour for the hours she's putting in she could probably go and stack shelves in a supermarket <laughs> for the same amount of money that's a hard yeah and her whole philosophy was but i want to be able to help people who can't afford therefore i'm never going to make any money yeah so we looked at her business and said okay so let's look at what you do and who would pay more for your service i don't just want to be for rich people so, but how about we have a day a week where you operate 
a service that you've built your reputation as being actually a really superb capability. And you and instead of charging twenty pounds an hour, you're actually selling that service at four hundred pounds an hour for your service. Hmm. There are people who will pay four hundred pounds an hour to have chiropractic treatment for somebody who is perceived to be absolutely best in the country. Yeah, yeah. If their reputation and the branding and the messaging shows them being at that level. Yeah, yeah. And quick search and she discovered that exactly that, people were charging those kind of numbers for, and she actually knew one of the people doing it, which was the irony. Um, I said, okay, so what else do you do? I said, well, sometimes I kind of do um, some chiropractic treatment for, um, for horses. What kind of horses? Well, I've, I've done a few for some, some, some um, few race horses occasionally. I said, and I bet they're not um, 20 pounds an hour. Well, no. Um, and the more we talked, the more then she sort of, she knew the racing stables for Godolphin and Sheikh Mohammed. And it's like, okay, so what happens if you start to specialize a bit more about those things? That's not 400 pounds for a session. That's, you're, you're dealing yeah, yeah, yeah. with sort of 10 million pound racehorses here. And there's this clink. I said, so how about two days a week, you do racehorses? One day a week, or possibly even two days a week, you do high-end 400 pound services for people who are prepared to pay for that. Yeah. And then you can run a free clinic on a Friday <laughs> to help those people who have no money. And there were tears, there was like, I've never seen this before. Yeah, it's even better, isn't it? Suddenly, <laughs> she's doing everything she was ever doing. Yeah. She's possibly going to be working a lot of the same hours. Yeah. But her income will transition, will just, just massively yeah. grow. Because she's changed what she was doing and done it a slightly different way. Yeah. But yeah. so overwhelmed, she couldn't stop to see that. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of clarity we bring. Uh, I often say, I don't bring any magic. It's just that a different perspective and experience to say, actually, there's a different way of doing what you're doing. Can you change your audience? Can you change the position that you put pricing? Yeah, yeah. Can you find people who are willing to pay at the level that you need to make the living and grow the business? Yeah. They're your customers, not everybody that knocks on your door. And it's that clarity sometimes that uh, is, is missing. Nice. Well, look, we've, uh, we've smashed through an hour and 10 minutes. Wow. Would you believe it? <laughs> I can believe it, yeah. Um, I think we've probably got another few few hours that we, we, we could just talk. keep going. Yes, <laughs> but no, it's been fantastic. Um, head over to your website, which may or may not be pchbusinesssupport.co.uk. <laughs> By the time this goes live, we'll be fully um, pchbusinessconsultants.co.uk. Even if you end up on the old website, there'll be transitions across the Yeah, you'll, you'll but otherwise, find you on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the best place. That's to the best place. Paul-Holmes-PCH. We'll put all those links in the old... Brilliant, uh, thank you very much. Show notes, and yeah, thank you once again. Well, it's been lovely that. talking to you. It's been a real pleasure. I uh, know, it's been great. I've, I've learned a lot, and hopefully, I'm sure a lot of people will have uh, also. So. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.